Welcome to Digital Health Unfiltered. I'm Sudipto Srivastava. And I am Nick Jeans. In this podcast, we share our insights from the cutting edge of health IT. Hey, Nick. Um, so I recently saw an article on Amazon, uh, which stated that Amazon got the go-ahead from the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, to develop devices with radar sensors that could enable touchless control and remote sleep monitoring, all in a very contactless way. Now, this also comes on the heels of Google announcing earlier in the year that Google's next-gen Nest Hub debuts with contactless sleep monitoring and analysis features. So it made me think back to the past like six years or so where you and I looked at plenty of sleep monitoring devices, right? Yeah, good topic. Uh, Always thinking about this kind of stuff. I don't know if it's because I'm uh, an ER doc and I do a lot of night shifts or just love technology, but uh, I feel like uh, I love to talk about sleep. My colleagues are are always talking about sleep and and we're always, you know, trading tips and, and tricks and so forth. Uh, and gosh, uh, over the years, I've invested in like a nicer mattress and memory foam pillows. We got a white noise machine a few years ago, and all of these things seem to seem to help. Uh, but it still seems like, gosh, I don't know if it's just getting older or whatever. But uh, uh, wake up and I'm tired, and I find myself, you know, craving a little bit more coffee. And when when I think to other aspects of consumer tech, uh, health tech over the last decade or so, like the step counting, like our, our watches are just so much more capable than they were even a half decade ago with the ECGs mm-hmm. and the pulse oximetry and so forth. Uh, and those are big breakthroughs. I just don't feel like we've seen the same kind of breakthroughs in sleep technology. You could say that sleep tech has been a little sleepier. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You didn't have to laugh at that. But um, gosh, I, I'm reminded of like, uh, Apple's moves in this area, you know, one of the big things was like they were going to change the color palette of your screens so that as you got closer to bedtime, your screens would get less blue and more yellow to kind of like wind, help you wind down. Uh, that, that actually just got studied and recently they kind of uh, were able to debunk it or they, they showed that it didn't actually seem to improve your sleep. Quality. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I read the headline, but <laughs> that's what it seemed to say. But um Apple had bought this company, Bedit, that we used to like, right? Uh, Do you remember Bedit? And this was like something that you put under your sheet and it would kind of uh, monitor your sleep uh, device on your bed. And gosh, that that purchase uh, that was uh, acquisition was 2017. People thought, oh, Apple's really going to move into sleep tech and they're going to have a whole suite of apps and services. And that didn't really pan out. I think there was a one new version of Bedit that came out in 2019 that had some, you know, different form factor or something, but didn't change the world for sure. Yeah, you know, I actually um, saw Bedit recently. The form factor definitely looks better, but still the same product. You know, and then there was uh, Sense. Remember the glowing ball that sat on the side of your bed and <laughs> recorded things? You know, there was this thing called Dream, which was really a, you know... Dream with two... Dream with two E's. Dream like with a, two E's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of was like a band that you wore around your head, um, which which focused on more on like brain activity, which you know I kind of liked because I just realized uh, in, in reading for this sort of uh, discussion that most of these activity trackers that you use, like the Fitbits and the Apple Watches and so on, they actually use physical movement, your turnings and so on, um, as a proxy for determining your sleep. They don't really 
use uh, brain activity, which is probably a, a better measurement for things. So that yeah, was yeah. Cool. And and when we were looking at uh, patches, uh, like we, we liked Vital Connect, uh, there was that Tatch, the Tatch yeah. patch, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and all of these companies would would claim to also study sleep, but it always it almost seemed like an afterthought. They were really just tracking movement and activity, and then they would use software to say, well, this period where you were lying motionless, <laughs> that must have been when you were sleeping, and then they would say, oh, you slept for eight hours last night, good job, you know. But that, it it didn't seem like uh, the primary function of these devices. Yeah. You know, so from a clinical perspective, though, what are your insights that we can draw by looking at a patient's sleeping pattern? You know, and is that a space that you think can be assisted by all of these digital apps apps and wearables in this sort of space? Because, you know, based on my current tracking, none of these guys have really gone mainstream, as we discussed. And as we were thinking about sort of this podcast, I figured we could talk a little bit more about digital health apps in the sleep space. Um, are they going to take the slow, meandering path of activity trackers? Are they going to go mainstream? Is, is Amazon and Google going to sort of change the space with all the sort of radio wave technology and so on? Um, is there something we're missing here, Nick? Well, it's it's a good question. And uh you know, when I think about it from like a population health perspective, there's, you know, folks are con- concerned about undiagnosed hypertension or, or prediabetes and like intervening on these populations before they progress to like, you know, real clinical illness. And and so th- the way to intervene there is to, you know, b- before you get to medications and therapies and stuff is to, you know, encourage good eating uh, more exercise, less of a sedentary lifestyle. And I do feel like sleep is probably a substantial part of that. Uh, it's it's a, could a lot of problems, a lot of health problems do stem from or could be exacerbated by poor sleep. And uh, all right, of course, we know good sleep, it sounds trite, but good sleep is, is really important. And 22 million Americans or something have uh, been, have a diagnosis of obstructive sleep apnea, but there's many more, perhaps uh, many multiples more, that are undiagnosed. And uh, we do know that when people have untreated sleep disorders, mostly obstructive sleep apnea or other kinds of sleep apnea, that leads to cardiovascular complications, depression, and cognitive decline. And it is uh, it is like a separate, independent, uh, related but distinct risk factor uh, from diabetes and obesity and, and those related conditions. So Diagnosing these things is important, and so far it, it's sort of like a clinical threshold where you have to be really drowsy or really like, or your your spouse has to say, "Gosh, you are. I'm hearing terrible things at night, either snoring or apneic events or whatever. We got to get you to a doctor." And and that is the 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 pathway that people finally do get diagnosed and do get the therapy that they need because these are. Uh, sleep apnea is a treatable condition. Uh, there's oral appliances, there's CPAP machines, there's surgery, there's weight loss. When when people get the therapy they need, they really do feel better and uh, the improvement can be fast and dramatic and there's these wonderful testimonials that you can find. But like uh, uh, you, you just have to have the, the pass that kind of threshold to be detected and to be uh, uh, to, to seek care. And maybe a lot of people, they're just not hitting that threshold. Maybe they don't have a spouse to alert them to the, mm-hmm. their, their bad sleep habits, or, or maybe it's just happening so gradually that they're not really noticing that it's a sleep problem. 
Interesting. So it looks like there's there, there's something there that a lot of these companies are probably tracking or realizing whether it's the wellness space or realizing that you know sleep does consume one third or so of our lives or needs to. So I guess you know in looking at these uh, these apps and solutions from a digital health space, if you can simulate sort of the gold standard for these kinds of tests that are done for sleep studies um, in terms of doing them at home, there there seems to be a big market and room for these apps to get better, to step up their game, so to say. Because if you think about it, a lot of these sensors and watches that we wear, you know, they have the cameras on them, they have mics on them, they have activity trackers. So can they kind of start replicating a lot of these more invasive or, or uh, time-consuming studies that, that people are doing? Yeah, it, it's tempting. It's tempting to, to make that leap, and, and people are making that leap. But uh, just to describe the polysomnography, the, the, the sleep lab study that you go into a facility, you get hooked up. These are there's a lot of electrodes. <laughs> there's like uh, they're monitoring your brain waves. They're monitoring your eye movements with wires and electrodes. They're monitoring your heart rate, your pulse ox, and even like your muscle, uh, like if you're grinding your teeth or like uh, clenching your muscles and so forth. So a lot of continuous readouts, and they're listening to your snoring and they're filming you. So, so, so wow. you're, gener- you're generating a lot of data, and so this is very helpful to distinguish different kinds of sleep apnea, the complex from the central, from the obstructive. And it's also great for like some of the rarer kind of sleep disorders that people have. And that that is the gold standard. But like getting to that threshold is, is, uh, is a lot of people never make that step. Um, home sleep studies, uh, home sleep tests have come a long way. And they are you know, competitive with that gold standard in terms of diagnosing sleep apnea. If you have other more esoteric conditions, they're probably not as good. But uh, these home sleep studies do use, you know, medical grade devices. Uh, But it is tempting to kind of say like with a smartphone and an app and maybe a microphone, maybe some other devices, you can start to mimic that uh, clinical grade experience with consumer grade technology. And, And that's where sadly, like if you go into the app store today, the iOS or Google Play app store, You'll see dozens of apps, some that kind of look like they're endorsed by medical societies or specialists or whatever. But the truth is very few of them have been properly studied in uh, randomized trials with the gold standards. And so um, I I think the consumers are at at a lot of risk uh, to to really know uh, if what they're using is, is, uh, is really validated. Um, I can think of, uh, I was just checking the lit reviews and so forth. There was one study from a number of years ago by uh, Al Mardini and and others that uh, used a smartphone, but also peripherals that were attached to the smartphone, like a pulse ox microphone uh, and an accelerometer to detect body movement. And that study was able to show that, uh, you know, for diagnosing obstructive sleep apnea and counting the number of... uh, apneic and hypoxic events overnight, it, it did. It was as sensitive and specific as some of these gold standard tests. So in principle, you know, a properly configured smartphone app does seem to mimic uh, the, the, the standard of polysomnography. So the potential is out there, but there's still buyer beware. Yeah, I can, you know, that, that sounds interesting, you know, especially with all the wires and so on. I wonder if uh, people actually get to sleep <laughs> in these sort of sleep lab studies. 
Now, um, what about the insurance space? Are 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 companies uh, are insurance companies reimbursing for these sort of studies? And is is there a a business model there where even if a fraction of that cost can be recovered in like you know home sleep sort of kits or apps and solutions, maybe maybe there's something there. Yeah, I I think uh, I mean if the documentation supports it and the the provider, you know, has their ducks in a row and and, and makes these recommendations uh, properly. The sleep studies are reimbursable, both the sleep labs and the the home sleep studies. Um, and those you, you need to do that if you ever want to hope to get a CPAP machine or uh, you know some of the other therapies that are available for for sleep apnea. Other, even even with all your ducks in a row and the proper documentation, insurance companies do make you jump through a lot of hoops to get these uh, get these uh, devices. Interesting. So, wow, it looks like Amazon and Google are certainly on to something. And, you know, with, with good reimbursement, you know, with the need for having good sleep, um, we are looking at the, the potential of some powerful tools being developed over a period of time. And to kind of geek out a little bit on this um, topic that we started with the, with the Amazon announcement recently, you know, the, uh, the talk of radio waves, you know, so Amazon and Google got the FCC clearance for this. And I see some added benefits of that because from a privacy perspective, you know, rather than have cameras and so on installed, you know, it's better to have radio waves because it's more passive. It's like a smart speaker that people are used to having sort of around. It's fairly passive, but sort of it's not a camera that's pointing at you that, you know, seems more invasive. <laughs> And from a radar technology perspective itself, you know, I love it because there's just so many more use cases that we can think of beyond just sleep and and, um, and movement, like, you know, uh, a gait analysis as to how you're moving. And I don't know how fine-tuned it can be in terms of you know, outlining the shape of your body or something, but, you know, it can probably detect a little bit of gait analysis, falls, um, of course, there's activity levels, you know, trying to figure out like how many times somebody's, you know, moving or going to the bathroom and, and so much more. Your thoughts? Yeah. I I guess you're right. I, I, I'm still a little creeped out by, by the potential. And, and yes, you're right. Like radar is, is probably better than camera, especially from some of these uh, big tech companies. But it still feels sort of like a lot of monitoring for questionable benefit. And I guess I, I would just feel better with a device that I could put on, turn on and say like, okay, I'm going to monitor my sleep tonight with this device. And when I wake up, I'm going to take this device off <laughs> and rather than say, I'm going to set up a radar across my home to just monitor me in case I happen to be sleeping or wobbling a little bit when I walk or, or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, that that's an interesting point. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll come in pl- automatically plugged in with your, smart bulb or your Wi-Fi system so you won't even know it's there and it's uh, watching you move around the house. Who knows, you know, maybe Amazon is waiting to get uh, its own set of doctors so that they can start directing more patients to like sleep studies and so on. Uh, maybe they'll sell them more CPAP machines or, or, or coffee. Who knows? <laughs> okay, so prediction time. I guess uh, the, the, the big question I'm wondering is, uh, you know, we've made such progress with step counts and activity tracking. Uh, will, will sleep monitoring rival any of that anytime soon? You know, it's it's interesting. Um, so I'll, I'll go first, Nika, with my prediction. I 
think that maybe it won't rival it, but maybe it'll join forces. You know, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about, and, and in our lives as well, about health really being a continuum. It's not just like one thing like sleep or walking or drink, drinking that impacts your health. It's a combination of all of these. So I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that we're going to start seeing the early stages of all of these things coming together. You know, we're seeing trends of Apple adding more features to its watch, you know, Amazon buying Halo from a mental health perspective and tracking other things. So um, I think we'll benefit from an ecosystem of monitoring that kind of knows, you know, that you had a stressful day or you ate too late, which is why you're not sleeping better. Or on days that you walk uh, over a certain threshold, you sleep better. Or to get even more invasive, that when you buy more alcohol or consume more of it, you know, your sleep patterns are impacted. So that's where I see the industries going with a combination of things. Oh, that's that's smart. And that reminds me of some of Noom's predictions and, and some of the other vendors we've seen over the years that say, like, you know, when they know some of what you've been up to, they can they can predict what you might that <laughs> you might lapse and you might like go for that big dessert tonight or something like that. Yeah. And so they, they try to intervene and prevent that kind of thing. And I guess just thinking about it, we have good technology and good data for apps and interventions about eating and, and even now for fitness and activity levels, uh, you know, to promote a less sedentary lifestyle. And we know that those will almost certainly pay off in the long run. Uh, long-term studies are, are hard to come by, but it, it does seem like these these apps and technology is moving the needle and keeping people healthier to, to some, at least some extent. And so if you, if you imagine eating and exercise to be two legs, then the third leg would be sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's one of the three things that average adults that are sort of healthy, they, they could really improve upon uh, to, to improve their long-term risk factors for the future. Uh, and so far, sleep has been the weakest of those three legs in terms of just technology investment and, and evidence and research. And so it wouldn't surprise me to see more investment and more research uh, to improve uh, sleep in uh, in the coming years. Sounds good. <laughs> That's a kind of lukewarm prediction, but uh, it feels it feels right. And I, I do feel like uh, with, with Amazon and these radio waves, <laughs> that might be the way that they're heading. That's it for this week. Join us again next time on Digital Health Unfiltered. Please note that the views presented in this podcast are not to be construed as the views of Mount Sinai Health System or the Hospital for Special Surgery or any of its affiliates.